Hi, everybody. Welcome to Salted Hash. My name is Steve Reagan. I'm the senior staff writer at CSO Online. With me, as always, is Famita Rashid. She is my cohort partner in crime. And behind the camera, and you can't really see him, wave for the, the crowd here, Chris. Say hi. Hi, how's it going? This is our uh, in-studio support and uh, one of our friends of the show. This is the first introductory episode of Salted Hatch. It's named after the blog that Famita and I run. So today we're going to be talking about Kaspersky, the U.S. Cyber Command, ransomware, and a few other goodies. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Welcome back. All right. So, Famita, how are you? What's the weather like up there? It's gorgeous. Hey, we're like getting the last bit of the summer. It's wonderful. Nice. I don't know how what you're seeing out there, but this is great here. So, uh, right now, honestly, what I'm seeing for the first time is the new studio that they made here in the, the, the offices. Uh, Famita and I, for those of you not familiar, we work remotely and we travel a lot for our jobs, but occasionally we have to come back to the home base and the mothership yeah the mothership and here in the home base they built this really cool studio for us so this is the first time i'm actually getting to use it which is nice otherwise chris just stays in here all day and plays crowdstrike and other things like that hey uh, maybe maybe <laughs> i mean why you have all this wonderful gear if you're not abusing it i'm disappointed son um <laughs> so let's 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 dive into it we've got uh an interesting story you you wrote recently about kaspersky and for those of you not familiar, I'm going to let Famita give you a little bit of the background, and then she's going to share her opinions on this because they're fantastic. So I'll leave it to you. Take it away. So um, Kaspersky Lab is a Russian-based company. It's a, a traditional antivirus, but they've done a lot of really amazing stuff to kind of get past the normal signature AV that we all know about from the 80s and 90s. They do a lot of next-gen stuff. They do a lot of research. They've been, a, I would say, a staple of our security industry for the last decade, 20 years or so. And recently, there's been a lot of articles in reputable publications all talking about how the government's leaders and intelligence agents say, hey, Kaspersky should not be trusted. They would never use Kaspersky AV. And we're all sitting here like, all right, you're the U.S. government. You probably know something. What is it? Nope, nothing. Yet this whisper campaign keeps going on. It's driving me crazy because it's like, hello, why are you telling us that a security company can't be trusted and not tell us why? The entire point of security is we know the fact, we defend. How can we defend if we don't know what to defend against? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And these articles keep coming. You have the FBI, you have the Congress um, having a committee meeting and asking the NSA, DOD, and a lot of these other acronyms I'd never even heard of, saying, nope, don't use it. Nope, we don't trust them. No, we think it's backdoored. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, first of all, I'm a junkie. I like conspiracies. What's going on? I want the story. There's nothing. Nada. And it's just really irritating because you know what? I don't know about you, Steve. I left high school years ago. I left the entire thing of, did you hear what so-and-so did years ago? I never had patience then. I don't have patience for it now. And it drives me crazy that we're telling enterprises, we're telling consumers, yeah, the government doesn't trust it, 
but we're not going to tell you why, because what are what are the rest of us supposed to do? Are we supposed to say, yeah, okay, well, this is a great technology. It works. It's one of the better tools out there. You check any of the reviews. It works well, but you're telling me I shouldn't, but you won't tell me why. Even my five-year-old doesn't accept that. So, <laughs> like, it just makes no sense. Give me the proof <clears throat> or five, stop it. Your five-year-old walked into the room and said, PCAPs, GTFO. The, 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 the interesting thing about this story, I think, that stood out to me was the fact that they're making all of these claims that Kaspersky can't be trusted and there's a problem with the you know, the, the providence of the company itself, like, you know, where Eugene's origins and everything like this. But yet all they're doing is, like you said, they're just kind of putting it out there. Um, I don't know if you saw the the story or not from CyberScoop. Did you you check that out? Uh, they put it up to where uh, a bunch of spies, uh, other intelligence people are saying the FBI is actually blowing the investigation by having all of these meetings. Like they're they're ruining things, which leads me to think that the FBI is giving these briefings, but there really is nothing more to go on than a bunch of he said, she said stuff. Yeah. But because Russia is today's boogeyman of the week, ooh, scary yes. Russia, it's it's very possible that that's what's fueling everything. And I mean, I get the impression in a way that the intelligence agencies also didn't uh -huh. give the FBI details. So the FBI is basically floundering, trying to find inv information responding to very vague things. So in a way, I feel sorry for the FBI, but then I also don't feel sorry for them because they really are making this into a really bad situation for everyone. Well, what I think is funny is I had an executive reach out to me, uh, very close contact, somebody I've known for years, and they're like, what do you make of this situation? You know, Should we dump Kaspersky? Because they use a vendor where Kaspersky's engine is OEM'd. Meaning sure. that, that that STK is actually a part of the product they're using. And I'm like, is Russia a part of your threat model? No. <laughs> then what do you care? Exactly. I, I mean, it, it it really has no no value to you to sweat every little news item that comes out from the boogeyman of the week. I mean, if if Russia's no, a part of your threat model, they should sweat the news item that paid our job. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no, you sh you should definitely you know read everything we write. I mean, I I too enjoy paying my bills. What I'm saying is, if Russia's not a part of your threat model, you shouldn't panic every time Russia does something. Exactly. Yeah, you really have to weigh all your facts. And I'm surprised a lot of people have immediately jumped the gun and started, you know, rushing with their pitches, pitchforks and torches to to slay Kaspersky and get them out of the network. When what's really comical is a lot of people don't have direct Kaspersky contracts, first of all. And second of all, a lot of them aren't aware of the OEM reach Kaspersky has. So, you know, the fact that they're using a, a given vendor and I'm, I'm refraining from naming the OEM vendors because I don't want to throw anybody under a bus, but they're companies everybody knows. And depending on your setup, you probably have a Kaspersky SDK somewhere on your environment and you don't realize it yet. And how many of those organizations were approached by the FBI and they flat out just told them no, because we don't have Kaspersky. And it, this, you know, my, my other issue goes back to your, your original point. They're, they're talking a lot of game, but they're not giving us any kind of proof. Not even hint that we have proof. All they're saying exactly. is, you know, Eugene once had a, a thing with the KGB. Congratulations. So did a lot of other men in his generation. That's pretty yeah. much how you got your education back then. Exactly. There was not a, you know, a thing going on. 
So and it just really worries me because what kind of a precedent, what kind of a message are we sending? Hey, if you don't like American government policy, don't do business with American companies. I mean, we're going to destroy our own economy if there's this that, is the precedent we're going to set. Yeah, there's that potential blowback. I mean, it, it's kind of like calling the you know the the kettle calling the pot black. I mean, we've got this pot calling the kettle black, whatever that saying is. <laughs> we we have this you know this thing to where we're we're slamming. Kaspersky for their alleged ties to the government. How many American companies are not only tied directly either via past employment and things like this to the U.S. government actually received funding from the government? Yeah, you I mean, know, DARPA is one of like the best sources for security research. So what about NQTEL? Oh, exactly. And I mean, yeah, there's like that huge firewall and disconnect between NQTEL and the CIA. But let's just we can't ignore the fact that NQTEL really is, you know, an incubator. I mean, there's a reason yeah. they exist. So, yeah, most definitely we're, we're, we're really trying to bite the hand that feeds us here in some cases. It makes no sense. Yeah. So moving forward, we've got the U.S. Cyber Command. And uh, that's actually some some really good news for them um, here recently. President Trump um, signed an executive order that elevated um, the U.S. Cyber Command to a unified combat command or combatant command. And essentially what that is is that that put them on the, the same level out from underneath the NSA's shadow. So it put them on the, the same level as SOC or the uh, Special Operations Command. So it, it's moving them higher up the hierarchy in the, in the Pentagon, which is a really good thing. But yet they're still underneath the NSA. So I think that's a, a kind of a problem. One thing President Trump did not do was define a definite split between the Cyber Command and the NSA. And he said, actually, what he was going to do is let General Mattis uh, figure that out. And hopefully Mattis does see the, the value in splitting them off. So my question to you and, and why I'm bringing this up as a topic, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, the U.S. Cyber Command has been around since 2009, and they've been underneath the, uh, the NSA. So they've pretty much gotten their marching orders from the NSA, which is primary uh, goal is just data collection. So now that we know they're they're getting elevated a little bit here, where do you think the Cyber Command should go from this point forward? Oh, wow. This is like getting a blank check, right? Yep. What, what do I want to do with it? I mean... I feel like in a way, NSA always been a little bit more offensive, getting more, they, their authority is being able to be creative and sneaky about things that they, we don't even think about, know about. Cyber Command really needs to be getting to the point where they're not worrying about the stealthy, they're not worrying about the sneak attacks. They should be the they should be the first line of defense. They should be the ones that really putting together the missions on. Okay, this is how we are command defending. This is how we fight cyber war. So it's not. I guess the difference really here is sort of like, all right, I want the NSA to be the Marine. They do the special recon. Mm -hmm. No, the SEAL. I want them to be the Navy SEAL. They do the scary stuff and. The, the Navy, the, they do the, like the basic mission. That's how I see Cyber Command. They, I want them to be the cyber arm of the military and let the NSA do the very special mission, very targeted attack, because that's what they're good at. So and put it, put it their another mission way, should want, always be different. So to put it another way, you want the Cyber Command to be like the warring little cousin of the NSA. 
They, oh, ha- totally. they, they have access to all the all the toys and goodies that they need to. But when it comes to actually making hits, that's the Cyber Command. It's no longer, you know, the NSA. They put them back in the the relegation of, of collecting information yeah. for possible. Yeah, I use. mean, it makes sense. I, 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 I actually agree with you on that. It, it 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 makes a lot of sense for me to see the the Cyber Command take a more proactive role uh, in defense as well. But I think my my big concern is there are a lot of specialties and talents that I don't think the government has actually filled within the cyber command. I don't know the specifics of their operation, but I can tell you that it takes a lot of effort to run a combatant group and it takes a lot of skill and it takes a lot of time and funding and resources. And I don't know if cyber command actually has that. The new defense budget includes them. Um, that's part of the reason the executive order was signed is so the cyber command gets better funding and mm-hmm. more resource um, allotments. So not only just you know tech and, and gadgetry, but also people, humans, people. to actually <laughs> come in and do things. Yeah. And I, I often wonder, you know, is that going to be enough? Because we have this horrible problem with IT and security is the fact that you know, the threats that we see today are probably going to be gone tomorrow or even more advanced. And yeah. it takes a, a lot of effort to keep up in that rat race. Um, I was reading a, a story and uh, there was a, an interesting quote here from um, uh, Bill Leitler, uh, Leiter, mm-hmm. who's a retired Navy rear admiral. And um, he says, uh, the Army's cyber protection brigades are broadly focused across the Army as a cyber defense response force. And you hear them talk about how they're going to integrate cyber capabili- capabilities at brigade level as fast as they can as part of their cross-domain battle concept. I'd say the other services are probably a little bit further behind there, and they're still very much focused on network defense as opposed to looking for things happening within a wing or a carrier battle group. And that that actually speaks to the point that we were making is the fact that there needs to be a clear definition of what you know Cyber Command is going to be doing and how they're going to be doing it. Yeah. And I, I often wonder, you know, here recently you, you heard about the the shipwreck. Uh, yeah. uh, I think it was the USS McCain. McCain, yeah. yeah. So immediately after that that happened, people were like, "Oh, cyber." Well, no, not necessarily. And in, in fact, you know, it, while technically possible, there's absolutely no evidence. And then a yeah. Pentagon official made a statement that they're going to include cyber as part of their investigation, which they absolutely should. There's no reason to rule it out. But right. you know, just because it's a part of an investigation package doesn't mean that's the only thing we're staring at. And it exactly. turns out they don't think cyber was involved in that at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you said something along the lines of just because a computer, uh, something had a computer doesn't yeah. make it a cyber attack. And exactly. I agree with you. Exactly. We tend to jump immediately to everything being a cyber attack. And I think just because it's part of an investigation doesn't mean it automatically is. It just means that this is the reality. We can't rule it out. Every investigation now has to consider a physical as well as a cyber component. Yep. And, and I, I really wish... <laughs> we can convince some of our peers to to take that notion is the the fact that just because there's a computer inside does not mean you know some spooky scary hacker has come out of the woodwork to take it apart on you but yeah that's that's tend to where they jump so i think in the next year or so we're going to see where cyber command goes i think there's the decision's still too new i don't think there's going to be a thing to where they're going to make changes overnight but I would very much hope that they they give them a more active role 
In, I mean, uh, in a way, I feel like we're behind. I mean, Germany's got a whole cyber command unit. I mean, most of the Western European countries, they yep. have already done this. So it's a little startling that we are finally giving U.S. Cyber Command the authority it the needs to it be deserves, done. I the guess respect it deserves. Yeah, exactly. I think that would be the even better way to put it. It's the respect yeah. it deserves. I mean, yeah. we treated him like a little kid cousin forever. Now we're trying to say, okay, now you could sit at the adult table. Well, that's fine and dandy, but where's the plate, the silverware, and everything else? I mean, why are you letting them sit at the table if you're not going to feed them? You just exactly. can't. So yeah. we'll we'll move we'll move on to that. We'll rant about Cyber Command all day long if we wanted to. We'll move <laughs> we'll move forward. Let's let's talk about uh, uh, a topic you thought of something near and dear to your heart: entertainment hacking. And uh, so when we when we were in the the studio doing a little prep earlier, uh, Chris and I were talking about this segment and. The, the interesting thing about it is the fact that when the Sony attack happened in 2014, that got everybody's yeah. attention, like a major Hollywood studio has been hit. Yeah. Like yeah. Lot. I mean, Alec Baldwin was the closing keynote at RSA conference because of that. Because like of people that, started yeah. paying attention. And it, it's very interesting because Hollywood's done hacking wrong, but done hacking <laughs> for years you know you, you've always seen you know the interesting things in, in the the movies to where you know we've got 50 billion people and we're typing yeah. on the same keyboard oh don't gonna... forget the malicious code is always red and the safe code is yes. green <laughs> safe code is green mal code is red that that is correct and also you know anybody with a mac can infect an alien spaceship and you know save the, planet. <laughs> the 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 thing that that really gets me though is it's been around forever and they've always had this mindset of eh. It's not us. We do things differently. And then Sony happened. The world melted. Hollywood burst into flames. And yeah, you were talking earlier about high school drama. Boy, were those emails drama filled. I mean, it was just, it was, it was the best of, of high school and junior high rolled into one. <laughs> and then fast forward a couple of years. Yeah, you know, Sony is still out there. It's still like a, a very livid reminder. And then HBO got a visit, an unwanted visit. And so I guess my, my first thoughts, uh, for those of you that don't know the story, HBO got uh, late July, got the news that somebody had hacked them. And part of the, 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 the attack and like 1.5 terabytes worth of data, which is eh, right around Sony level. Some will say it's more, some will say it's less, but I mean, You've got to consider what's been taken and where is the Game of Thrones uh, yeah. script. I mean, first email versus actual episode. I mean, yeah. there's a different cost associated with that amount. So, so actually, and that's the thing, you know, prior to HBO, if you remember, Netflix got hit. Yeah. And they were being held for ransom, you know, like pay us this money or we're releasing Orange is the New Black. Rightfully, Netflix, you know, told the attackers, go hang yourself. And... Boom! Orange is the New Black is being leaked before it's released, and it, it, you know Netflix wasn't even mad. They were like, "Whatever, we're still not going to pay you. In fact, we're going to release the entire series early now. Have fun!" And they they just let it all go. And I think that was the right approach because a yeah. lot of loyalists to the show they refused to go get those, you know, those files. And likewise, um, you know, with 
the shooting script for Game of Thrones, most people didn't download it and read it. You know, a lot of the hardcore fans were like, I'm not going to ruin the rest of the series for myself. What am I going to do with the next three weeks of my life? Sunday exactly. is my... My, you my, try to tell anyone, everyone's going to shout you down. Spoiler, don't tell me. Yeah, so right? I mean, you walk in and you try to, to give a spoiler about Game of Thrones, somebody's liable to club you. So <laughs> Chris had an, an interesting question. I'm going to let him ask it, and then we'll 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 discuss it. So we were we were talking about the, the, right, the Sony right. and the so, Netflix. So this is what I don't get. If If this has happened before to other big media companies and mm -hmm. companies in general, you'd think that, HBO would, you know, put their guard up or try to, you know, better their security, but uh, I guess it doesn't seem to be the case. Uh. So when attacks in your vertical happen, um, a lot of people still have this mentality of it won't happen to me. Or it won't happen again. Or yeah, or it won't happen again. Because what's the old saying? Lightning never strikes twice, right? So what happened is everybody looked at what happened with Sony and how that ha I mean that 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 hack was dissected. Everybody knows, you know, the the outcome of Sony and they have a good idea of how the attackers got in and what was going on and and everything like this. So they looked at their defenses and they asked their security teams, "Are we the next Sony?" And the security teams rightfully said, "No, we're not." You know, they 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 shored up their defenses and relied on what they already had. But then Netflix happened, and it was a completely different attack vector. See, Sony didn't have to deal with supply chain problems. Netflix got hacked because a contractor got popped. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Netflix directly. So while Netflix looked at Sony probably and said, hey, are we next? Their, their IT people and their security people rightfully told them, no, we're not. And that was true. And now you have HBO. HBO gets popped directly according to the attackers depending on on how you want to buy into their stuff and so uh, technically hbo is more closely related to sony than they are netflix but hbo also had a supply chain problem because of the espana leak you remember right after that i keep staring at the monitor to look at you because it's a much <laughs> bigger picture instead of staring directly at your camera the uh the, the funny thing is you know you remember after all the scripts and the emails and everything like that the actual episode leaked but not because of a hacker it leaked because of a contractor accidentally uploading it ahead of time. Yeah, they're just mishandling the content properly. Just So to answer your question, and, and tell me if, if, if this is a good enough answer for you, they do consider the other attacks, but they really don't see themselves as potential victims if they can defend against what they know about the previous attack. They're not looking at the other avenues, the other attack paths. They they. They say that car hit a wall. Well, I don't have a wall, so I'm good. Yeah. I mean, the other point here, Chris, is um, there was an interview with the Daily Beast where I think one of the actors, I don't follow the show. I'm probably the only person that doesn't watch Game of Thrones. So I don't know which actor it was. Jamie Lannister, but... the guy that plays Jamie <laughs> okay. Lannister. Yeah. There you go. But he was talking about how with HBO, they had to recreate new email addresses. They had to do two-factor authentication. So it's clear that HBO did learn from Sony's attack, and they beefed up security. They actually made sure that the email was a secure vector, and they made their employees really stick to the policy and not bend it just because you're an expensive actor. Just being like, no, this is how you have to do it. Yep. 
So in that case, HBO did it right. It's just as Steve said, you know, they secured the front door. They just didn't realize that the attackers can walk in any other way. And that's actually the big problem with all the industry. They look at the attacks in the vector. They start thinking, oh, we don't want to be next. But they're not used to thinking they're not used to thinking like robbers. They're not used to thinking about what are the gazillion other ways that they might come in. They're used to it in terms of crazy fans coming on the set physically, but they're not used to doing that in a cyber sense yet. I hate using the word cyber, but they're not used to you think about it in terms of what online methods people can do. Let's, let's right, look at right. it Wait, from well, a... I, I think like at this point, especially with the entertainment industry, I feel like everything's going to be hard copy now. Like if you think about it, that uh, what was that actor's name? The uh, the Lannister guy. Uh, I forget who, his name. But... Yeah, I, I forget his name. Uh, I which is sad because I it's one of my <laughs> I love favorite the show. Shows. But yeah, yeah, it's one I of my favorite shows. I can't tell you his name. But uh, yeah, he he said that all the scripts. I mean, some of the scripts, not all of them, but some of them got leaked, and mm -hmm. he said now they get all the scripts hard copy. Yeah, which makes sense because it's the way. It, and some will argue that's the way it should have been. You know, it should have been like that at the entire time. But you have to consider feasibility, and you have to consider you know overhead. Game of yeah. Thrones is a very expensive uh, show to put on. So if I can save you know a few thousand dollars a week by putting your script and your shooting schedule on the cloud versus having it printed out, couriered, and hand delivered to you. I'm going to, to lean towards saving that money. But right. yet at the same time, that is an attack surface that they kind of were aware of, but they're not giving it a lot of a lot of uh, assessment. They're not they're not putting a lot of stock into it. Mm -hmm. So let's put it in terms of production. This will really resonate with you. Right now you're recording this as we're filming and you're getting things ready, right? So to, to protect your, your stuff, you have backups going and things like this, right? So what happens if I walk over and just unplug that machine right there? Would you lose all your work you've just done right now? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but is that a consideration? You have the backups, you have the drives there that are protecting you. You've got the cards and the camera that's, you know, you've got things running on. Those are all practical failures and, and hard points that you can see where you'd lose your work, right? Mm. But while that's a valid hard point, you're not expecting me to get up and go and plug that machine, which would equally be just as catastrophic. Definitely not. We, we, we'd have some problems right now. <laughs> but you, you see my point, though. I <laughs> right, mean, that's, right, right. That's, yeah, totally. That's the way a lot of teams look at it. They, they look at what's very real, what's here and now and in your face. And yeah, they know that if somebody unplugged that, that system, it's going to be a problem, but nobody's going to go unplug that system. And that's exactly the mantra they live by until somebody gets up to go unplug that system. And then suddenly, you know, all of us come out of the woodwork going, why didn't you protect the plug? Plug protector 4000 could have saved you, you know, and, and you, you go on and you go on. And that's just that's the circle we live in. Yeah. So, yeah. What? what you would, know, I'm going to register plug protector 4000 now. I'm going to find out if they're the domain <laughs> for that. You know what? We should. We should do that. We could just plug protector. And then every time somebody visit it, we redirect them to the salted hash videos because you know that'll be our standard go-to for like uh, product placement from now on. Plug protector four thousand. Protect your plugs. <laughs> but no, I mean, kind of fading out on that topic. I mean, it, it was one of those things to where the entertainment industry is like any other industry. They're volatile targets. You know. 
it just so happens because they're the entertainment industry. I think there's a lot more drama around it, so that generates a lot more news. Yeah, it, it's kind of a droll day when you talk about a financial institution got hacked. Oh, look, more stolen credit cards. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to, you know, fill out a paper and, and wait for my new card to show up in the mail, and I'm going to have to make a phone call and activate it. And then versus, she said, what about her principal director of photography? Ooh, that's that's horrible. Let's talk about Well, that. not only that, we I need, mean, the we other need thing to know also, what the next We're is. also now getting a better idea of what people mean when they say information had value. Yeah. You know, credit cards, it's very easy for anyone to understand, okay, this had value. When you're in the entertainment industry and you're sitting there it, and somebody asks you, so what do you want to protect? What are your crown jewels? You're not always going to think about that email you wrote three years ago. You're going to be thinking, oh, well, I want my expensive camera protected. I want, you know, the account numbers where I get my money. Like, we are just still in the point where people are just realizing almost any piece of data, any piece of information that you might have can somehow some way be monetized, whether it's like Netflix being held ransom. And I got to say, props to, I am, I give Netflix props as you did on holding fast and saying, go ahead, we'll go ahead and release it early too, because not everyone's going to do that. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, I think, companies realizing we don't have that old model of this is valuable, this is not. It's always going to be valuable to someone. Yep. So, moving. <laughs> wow, there is no segue in the next ne this next topic, so we're just gonna we're just gonna ignore the the segue possibilities, and uh, we're we're gonna talk about ransomware real quick. No, there is. Netflix was held for ransom. They're just segue. Really, <laughs> really, you know. Actually, before we get to that, because that that reminds me of a, a really. So, so random connections between stories like this, we get pitched this stuff all the time. This, this comes to our email and there, we see some horrific stuff. So, so let me, let me tell you a funny story about an email pitch I got today. Uh -oh. um, <clears throat> first of all, it's related to a topic that we don't even cover and it's a product pitch. So that's something else that we would never do. And the, the pitch started off with, Dear Steve, I see you like to write about technology. And they're starting to pitch me this cloud app that goes onto my phone that will, wait for it, help me manage my CD collection, as in compact discs. Well, back in 1994. Right? And, and I, had to, I had to imagine myself, I'm like, does anybody still buy those? I it's, do, actually. But Where? I don't even have a record store. I don't even think. I think there's Amazon. Might be... Amazon sells everything. Oh, is that well, a product yeah. pitch? I don't know. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, on Amazon, I, even then, when I went there, I used to just get the MP3s, and then you've got Apple and, and Title and things like this. So, yeah, the whole CD thing just <laughs> melted my head. It was like. Where where's the connection here? You see, I like to write about technology. Well, that's kind of generic, but now you're talking about compact discs, and I'm like. <laughs> Let me get my Sony Walkman out. Maybe we can make this happen. I don't know. So, yeah, that, that was the random pitch of the day. I still like the ones that start off to your first name. But yeah. so well, at least you get Steve. I mean, half the time I get emails saying, Dear Gary, I have no idea who <laughs> Gary is, but I get so many of his pictures. I just wish I knew who it was. I could forward it to him. So the, the, the thing is, it's not Dear Steve. It literally says Dear First Name. 
<laughs> it, it's first name. And, and you know, Melmer gone bad. Yeah, Melmer. That usually happens around RSA, and it's very funny because you'll see, dear first name, company X would like to invite you to show <laughs> on date, and, and you get these. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, we'll do. We'll actually do a segment on bad pitches one day because it's amusing. So, um, ransomware. Uh, not too long ago, actually, the last time I was in this studio. I infected two laptops with Locky because I was bored and they gave me things to play with and said, destroy them. Well, they didn't say destroy them, but I destroyed them anyway. And we made a, a, a nice little life lesson out of it. And so we made a couple of videos about what a Locky uh, ransomware infection looks like from start to finish. And then I also did a video on how to recover from a okay. ransomware infection. Really fun stuff. Uh, Chris and I spent uh, seven and a half hours in this studio and we were about to, to kill each other before time ran out because it was a very long, painful day. Um, but overall- that's how ransomware is supposed to be. It's supposed yeah, to be a long, painful day. Long, painful day. But overall, there, there was a lot of good that came out of it. So now, Lockie died off not too long after that, that video series was you know shot. And then it kind of made a, a resurgence. So I got this interesting thing from App River the other day. Uh, they told me that on Monday, so within the last 24 hours, they had seen um, 23 million Locky-related messages. 23 oh, wow. million. I mean, that's that's just smashed, like like just spike like you would not believe. And when I look at the the types of subject. So they saw 23 million on Monday, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking this campaign's been running because for the last couple of weeks, I've, I've been getting the emails similar to what Ransom, uh, what App River is reporting here. Uh, oh. Please print this message, you know, here are some documents attached, open this, and they're all zip files and everything like that, photos, images, what have you. And then Barracuda came out yesterday and said that within the last 24 hours, they've observed about 20 million rants, uh, attempts at ransomware attacks through email attachments talking about payments. But yeah. the interesting thing is the attachment they're, they're looking at here, it's a seven zip file. Oh, interesting. So it's How many people even use seven zip? Exactly. So I guess Windows automatically unzips them now, but still. Really? I didn't know that. that I, I mean, think Windows 10 can handle them. Huh. So... I don't know. I guess my, my, the reason for bringing all this up and talking about it is ransomware is still a very valid threat risk. And here recently, uh, Risk IQ, along with IDD, IDG, did a, an interesting survey where they talked about, uh, where they talked to decision makers and uh, business leaders. And they essentially asked them, where, what, what, what makes you cry? What keeps you up at night? What, what are you worried about? And a lot of them uh, had no to modest confident levels when it talked about reducing their um, attack surface. And when it came to the threats that impacted them the most, malware, ransomware, browsers, and lockers came in at 44%. It was like wow. the number one thing. After that is phishing, uh, web and social engineering attacks. Then you got domain infringement and DNS exposure, scams, disingenuous ads, brand abuse, and defacements. And I thought it was really interesting. 35% said brand abuse and defacements. When was the last time, Famita, you heard someone worried about having their website defaced? 
I can't like the you said defacement, and I'm thinking Syrian Electronic Army. Wasn't right. that like three years ago? Yeah, uh, if that. I mean, script kiddies do defacements. Right. When was the last exactly. time you actually seen like? I don't even think Anonymous has done like a legit defacement in years. Not since yeah. like back in the anti-sec days. Exactly. So I was really, but the ransomware being the number one thing, I think ransomware scares more administrators now than actual researchers or, or, or malware experts because there is a serious deficiency in their security posture and they know it. And yeah. they know that ransomware would just wreak havoc exactly. on their network. And I mean, it goes a lot with what you and I have been talking about. Like, this is ransomware actually highlights the gap between basic IT practices and security. I mean, in a way, if you have backup, ransomware shouldn't be as scary. It's still terrible. It's still a pain, but it shouldn't be as frightening. Yep. But the fact that it is just goes right back to, okay, let's look at IT. What is going on with your backup? What's going on with your disaster recovery? And that's a huge hole that I guess we just haven't noticed or thought about. I think it's been noticed and thought about, but nobody harps on it because it's just not sexy. There yeah. is no no joy in, in worrying about backups. And the thing is, you know, a lot of time we, we say, well, ransomware can be fixed if you have the proper backups. Proper backups means you have backups that weren't attached. Uh, in the right. video that I made with Joan, uh, what we did was we infected a laptop and I had backups attached to this laptop and they got affected too. Yeah. And I did that on purpose. I wanted to show that your backups, yeah. you need to have backups of your backups and they need to yeah. be off site. You, you exactly. Like, and I know like even with the backup, if you have your, say, OneDrive or Dropbox mounted on your laptop, that gets infected. So again, it's like yep. that entire layer of where do you kind of cut it off so that it's floating out there? And that's a tricky thing to do. It's very tricky and it's also headache inducing. And again, it's not sexy. So nobody wants to think about it. And I think <laughs> that is... That's a lot of our problem is, you know, we're so, and I say we as like the general public, we, we see security as this flashy, like, you know, midnight rider type thing. When in reality, it's, you know, if you were to watch a hacker actually hack, it's about four and a half hours of a guy staring at his computer and then randomly screaming because somebody forgot a curly <laughs> cue at the end of their code. And yes. this is this is what hacking is. It's not, you know, tappity, 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 I'm in. No, yeah. it's, there's no celebration. Exactly. You don't see some guy jumping for joy because, you know, their, <laughs> their little browser worked or anything like that. I guess my question for you is, is uh, on the ransomware front, do you think it's going to get worse or do you think it's going to go away again? How about it's going to get to the point where it's prevalent? Where, I mean, right now, ransomware is very much a category everyone is focused on. Oh, my goodness. And, and a couple of years ago, that's what we were with Trojan. That's where we were with Keylogger. And now that's all lumped into malware. I think right now, ransomware is scary and it still had that new kid on the block vibe that, oh, hey, look at what's going on. But eventually, yes, I know. Are you saying are you saying ransomware is hanging tough? Is that is that where you're going with that? Were you, were you going to do that right there? Was that was that? I was thinking more of you got the right stuff, but anyway. Oh, so what you can't see is these two are behind the monitors over there, 
And they're looking at me like, what are you guys talking about? Those are new kids on the block song, fellas. They were recorded <laughs> before you were born. It's okay. <laughs> Wait, what is this? Uh, yeah, what, see. What, what, what is this? <laughs> I intentionally put that reference in, too. <laughs> uh, get off my lawn, the both of you. So, but, the, I mean, my basic thing is eventually, I don't know if I'll call it worse. It's just going to get to the point where ransomware is going to be Come a normal I hate that again just it's going to be yet another malware it's going to be like a Trojan it's going to be like a keylogger it's probably going to be bundled with five different things in one cocktail so it's just going to become more prevalent so you know what I think is going to happen and I, I'm I'm almost hesitant to say this because if nobody don't give ideas <laughs> yeah but at the same time it's it's a thing that that goes against you know what are your assets where are your assets who has access to your assets and what are you doing to protect them because I think ransomware is going to go from generic, let's encrypt the entire disk, to I'm just going to take your financial database. That's all I want. Thank oh. you for leaving. So you think you it's going to be more targeted? Yeah, and it's, it'll go after payroll, it'll go after HR, it'll go after you know very focused segments of the company. And it'll know the file types for like, um, uh, oh, now that I'm thinking of it, I can't think of the, the name of the software, but you use it for your payroll if you're like a small... Quicken? Domain. Yeah, Quicken. It'll go after Quicken databases and yeah. other things like this, and that's the only thing it targets. You know, one day kids are going to be able to say ransomware ate my homework. Yeah, literally, because it'll go after, you know, you get the doc file ransomware and all of a sudden, you know, you have to handwrite your assignment and most kids are going to be like... I, how do I how do, how do I get the keyboard to show up on this? That's a notepad. Right. But where's the keyboard? There is no keyboard. And they're just going to keep, you know, getting really confused because we'll be in our wheelchairs and rockers at the time. Going, Back in my day, we had to use chisels <laughs> when we hammered out our homework assignments. So... That's actually, I think, uh, where we're going to wrap up. What, what have you seen this morning, since, since we we're, we're rarely get to talk to each other live, what have you seen this morning while you were looking at the news that stood out to you? Well, I mean, right now, it's all about the Instagram hack and how people are suddenly talking about API. And I'm saying, thank you, finally. Just the fact that every single product, every single software is now a platform, and we're saying, hey, you can connect to me. You can use you can use my data, and I'll share it with you, and no authentication. What's that? Now people are suddenly like, that is a terrible idea. Yes, so, very much so. My rant for today. <laughs> so we'll actually discuss API hacks uh, in a, a, a upcoming episode because that is a, a relevant topic for a lot of us and it's going to affect a lot of you whether you know it or not uh but that's been uh today's episode of salted hash thanks a lot for hanging out with us i really appreciate it for for me to rashid my name is steve reagan with cso online we look forward to seeing you next time stay tuned we'll see you soon 